we want to welcome a new sponsor to American Family Radio, and I hope you give them your full support. That's Christian Healthcare Ministries, chministries.org. If you're like most of us, you're feeling the strain of rising healthcare costs. Well, good news. Christian Healthcare Ministries may be the answer you're looking for. CHM is an affordable, faith-based option to traditional health care that provides members the freedom to choose doctors without worrying about networks or waiting periods since they're not insurance. Can you say freedom? CHM is the longest-serving health cost-sharing ministry and has been around for over 40 years, helping Christians pay for and pray for one another's medical bills. They're tried and true and have members in all 50 states and around the world and have covered billions in medical bills. Members not only get advantages from the affordability, flexibility, and reliability of CHM, but they also receive access to 24-7 telehealth services at no additional cost. It's no surprise that doctors across the country appreciate working with CHM, and so will you. Make the switch today by visiting chministries.org slash AFR. That's chministries.org slash AFR. The Bible. It's the Word of God, sharper than any two-edged sword. This sacred book is living and active and contains all that's needed for life and godliness. Stay with American Family Radio for the next hour as we study God's Word and take your Bible questions. Welcome to Exploring the Word. Exciting trek through the book of Judges. Alex McFarland here, and this is Exploring the Word. And our regular co-conspirator in radio, Bert Harper, he's traveling right now, but I have with me also our regular uh, sidekick, and that's Jeff Shambly, longtime friend and colleague and frequent guest on Exploring the Word. Jeff, thanks for being with us this afternoon. My pleasure, Alex. Good to be with you. Uh, we've got a very special segment to queue up here in just a moment, but if you would, um, introduce yourself to those that may be new to the voice of Jeff Shambly and what all you do for the American Family Association. Well, I am the host and producer of the Stand Radio program that is heard uh, Saturdays at 4 p.m. and Sundays at 8 p.m. Central here on AFR, and we cover a lot of the latest topics on faith, culture, and family. And uh, for many years, I worked as uh, director of American Family Studios and at one time in the production department and program director, just a lot of different hats. But uh, thankfully, the Lord has allowed me to be here and uh, to work in the stand radio. Well, indeed. And we are going to continue in the book of Judges here in just a moment. Plus, later on in the program, everybody, we will take phone calls, as we always do, if you want to call in today with a Bible question. We'd love to hear from you. But before we get into Scripture and the phone calls, uh, I want to talk about Hannah's heart. And we've got with us Ann Cockrell. And uh, are they in studio with you yes. there? Yes, Jeff? Ann and Will. Ann and Will, welcome to Exploring the Word, folks. Hey, thank you for having us. Yeah, thank y'all. Well, it's it's good to have you on. And, uh, you know, one of the great things about this ministry, and I, I'm very privileged because in all of my travels, I meet people literally throughout the entire USA that are touched by the very, uh, you know, the various arms of AFA. But let's talk about Hannah's heart. And we welcome you. We want to hear about what God is doing through this important work. 
Okay. Well, Hannah's Heart, if someone's new to the program, we always introduce the program as um, how we're focusing um, on couples who struggle with infertility or miscarriage. But we've definitely grown to have lots more topics on there, just as the Lord has led of adoption and foster care and child loss and um, all those different kinds of things and just how the Lord... um, chooses to grow a family and sometimes growing a family looks like being okay with being you know an an aunt to someone or serving in your church or being a missionary um we have had people on who got married way later in life and so kids didn't necessarily look like an option for them or a couple who has struggled with infertility for a decade and it's like is it ever gonna happen and here recently um you know, we've covered people that have children that were born with, um, we call it difficulties, mm-hmm. you know, with uh, Down syndrome and how that's not necessarily, you know, a death sentence as a parent or to that child because that child can be still such a blessing even though it has, um, you know, maybe more difficulties than uh, with everyday life than maybe me and you do. Mm. Well, th- this is such a, a vital work, and, you know, it's it's funny, uh, Will and Anne, not funny, but it's ironic. Just this morning, just this morning, I was reading an article about how everybody needs family, mm-hmm. and one of the one of the medical and psychological issues of our times is loneliness. And children, especially, they need a mother and a father. And so, what you're doing in advocating for family and adoption and um, like you say, God building a family sometimes in non-traditional ways mm-hmm. through Hannah's heart. Um, I think you're meeting a, a key need there. And now talk about, if you would, when the show airs and uh, is is it, uh, do you have guests? What kind of content do you have there? So we air, our main time to air is Saturdays at 5 p.m. Central Time. And we air another time. I was telling Mr. Jeff when I first mm-hmm. got in here, we air on Sunday mornings too. And I'm going blank at what time that is, but it's early on Sunday mornings as well. That's kind of a new slot for us. Um, but after each show, it's kind of like every other show here at AFA, it also becomes a podcast. So if you miss the you know initial airing of it being on the radio, you can also go back to multiple places on social media like Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and then also on our streaming service that we have through AFR. Um, if you're a member of that, then you can go back and actually watch the show as well. But yes, we have lots of wonderful, amazing guests. That's something that I've been surprised about. I was in the depths of infertility at the mm-hmm. time and walked, my, Will and I had walked through multiple miscarriages whenever Hannah's heart was kind of getting off the ground running. Um, but the Lord has used so many of these guests that we've had on and that I've now had the priv- privilege to talk to for over two years now to grow my faith and my walk whenever I thought this would be more of helping other people. It has helped me so much along the way. And then um, if if listeners have listened to Mon and Will's story, in July of last year, we had a baby boy to pass away just um, a few minutes after he was born. And so uh-huh. I can't thank our listeners enough um, for reaching out and for praying for us because we, um, as difficult as a time that was and will always be because that that's something a death of a baby you're you're not ever gonna get over he will always be gone Mm. um but we have had so many people reach out and let us know that they're praying for us and um i believe we can really tell that those prayers um know that your prayers count any little bitty of a prayer that you feel like it is the lord uses it in mighty ways mightier than what we can think sometimes 
Well, um, God bless you for drawing your strength from the Lord and being willing to minister even through that painful situation, being able to minister to others because uh, Will and Anne, the, the number of couples that do lose a child and miscarry, it, it's a pretty pretty high number, isn't it? Oh, yeah. It's one in four pregnancies. So, you know, if you, if you think, well, I haven't ever dealt with this or I don't know anybody, I promise you do know someone who has walked through this or is currently walking through this. And unfortunately, it seems like the numbers are still on the rise with this happening. Um, but it's one in eight couples who struggle with infertility and one in four pregnancies that end in miscarriage. Mm. I'm curious, the name Hannah's Heart, I think I might know the the genesis of that name, but what what does the name of the program signify? So that was something um, we definitely prayed about and talked about for a long time. But yes, it's based um, from Hannah in Scripture, from 1 Samuel, how she um, is seen begging the Lord. And it's actually kind of like our promo video that they'll share, and that's aired right before our show starts Um but just we talked through how Hannah begged God for a baby, and she was even at the temple praying. I, I think our show says like her um, eyes were closed and her lips were moving, but she wasn't saying anything. And the priest actually thought that she was drunk at the temple. And so, but she wasn't. That is just what her weeping and begging and desiring looked like. And so, and the Lord answered that prayer. And the next time it was time for her to go back to the temple, she had Samuel and, um, the Lord asked her to give him back to him. And he, um, that is exactly what she did. As soon as I think scripture says, as soon as he was weaned, she took him back and, um, he then was at the temple from then on. Yeah. That, that scripture where she says for this child, I prayed Mm -hmm. very touching Jeff. Uh, this is a ministry for our times, isn't it? It is encouraging couples. And and I had come across those numbers of uh, something like one in five uh, known pregnancies end in a miscarriage years and years ago. We, we produced a film called paper dream. Actually it was American family studios first film and the film it's about 45 minutes long or so. And it's about infertility. Uh, and that's when I became aware of that uh, that number. I want to ask you all, uh, and Will, you can answer this and chime in here too. You know, when, when a family goes through this, the enemy puts all kinds of doubts and temptations and questions in your minds. What are some of the ways that your family was tested and some of the things that you just had to work through uh, with, say, some of the infertility issues? Uh, yeah, I would say for me, one of the uh, one of the things I first always think about is um the yes i we were walking through it together um but i would see the the pain and the hurt that it it was causing ann you know i guess you know she was the one who would be getting pregnant you know it was one it was happening physically to her um and so um so so to see that it, you know it um it, and I'm very thankful to say I don't think it ever caused any division. Sure. Or any, you know, I don't think either, you know, every couple, there's different reasons why you struggle. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was, uh, you know, for us, we didn't feel like it was, we blamed the other person or anything. It was just, um, yeah, just seeing seeing her and knowing how, how much. And um, knowing you really couldn't do anything. Right. Yeah, that was something big for him because I feel like as a man, as a godly man, you want to fix your wife, not fix right. your wife, but, you know, fix whatever problem she might be having or 
going through and he had no control over that and uh yeah for the most part I don't think we necessarily had divisions I think at one point he was ready like you know you have to go to a lot of doctor's appointments and you're Mm -hmm. taking medicine and I needed a surgery and multiple things like that um as you're dealing with these things literally every single day um and so we got to a point where I was like okay now I'm ready to try one more thing and he was you know like okay I after this, I feel like I'm I'm ready to be done, and I respected that. But he also respected me, and he you know he was like, "Well, it is. It's your body. If if this is something that you feel like you need to do, then we'll we'll do it." But after, you know, after this, I feel like it's time to call it call it quits because we had already made the decision. Um, we have some episodes that go deep deep dives into IVF if you want to know more mm-hmm. about that. But um, I'm not saying I would not. I disagree fully with IVF. There's a few things that we didn't feel comfortable. With IVF, one huge thing is financially. I mean, like, mm-hmm. we're talking thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars here for a possibility of a baby. Mm-hmm. And so our hearts had gotten to be like, you know, there's babies out there that already need a mama and a daddy. And so, and we knew that we both were okay with the idea of adoption. And we had already come to the conclusion of foster care was probably going to, you know, be soon in, um, in our future. And so, that's just what we had decided together. And then um, after that surgery, they found a few things that was like, yeah, this could be a cause, but not really sure. And so, yeah, after that, we, mm-hmm. we I guess, basically stopped going to the doctor. And then um, the Lord saw fit, I think, about, what, five, four months later, <laughs> we <laughs> found out about yeah. Jane. And um, Jane is our now, she just turned two, uh, <laughs> two weeks ago, or I guess a week and Praise a half God. ago. Wonderful. So um, wow. we've since then adopted a, our little boy, Mark, through foster care, who we had him since he was three days old. And then um, before he was fully adopted in 2022, Jane was born January of 2022, and Mark was adopted in December of 2022. Well, guys, I want to say this, that uh, for one thing, uh, I appreciate your ministry, and God bless you. I want to encourage pastors and churches mm, and mm-hmm. Christians to t- tell your congregation about this, because um, so many, like you say, infertility and miscarriage and the desire to start a family and also the desire to make a positive difference for the gospel. Mm. Bert Harper and I talk about this a lot, and I know you and I have discussed it, Jeff, that one of the great things to further the gospel is the Christian home. And so churches tell people about Hannah's heart. I know this will be an encouragement to a lot of people. I know it will inspire and encourage people. So um, again, if you would, Anne, talk about like when it airs. Um, is is it on the AFR.net website, um, past broadcast perhaps? Yes, sir, it is. And um, Mr. Brent, our producer here, he got me the show, and it, it airs Saturdays at 5 p.m. and Sunday mornings at 11 a.m. Okay. Well, wonderful. Well, Jeff, this is inspiring. I'm glad for this, aren't you? Great ministry that uh, AFR has, and we just wish you all the best as you can, sh- can continue to share the gospel and your experiences. Thank you so much. Thanks for being with us. Stay tuned, folks. Jeff Shambly and I will be back after this brief break with the Book of Judges, your, your phone calls, and more. We would like to take a moment to thank our sponsor, Preborn. When a mother meets her baby on ultrasound, and hears their heartbeat, it's a divine connection. And the majority of the time, she'll choose life. But they can't do it without our help. Preborn needs us, the pro-life community, 
to come alongside them. One ultrasound is just $28. To donate, dial pound 250 and say the keyword baby or visit preborn.com. Well, that kind of music just just changes your whole attitude, doesn't it? You're, list, you're listening to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio with Alex McFarland, Jeff Shambley in for Burt Harper today, and we are in the book of Judges, Alex. Yes, well, thank you for being with us, Jeff. And uh, folks, take down the number. We are going to, to take phone calls here in a little while. The number is 719, no, I'm sorry, it's 888-584-8840. I've got too much in my head. I'm so sorry, folks. Triple eight five eight nine eighty eight forty. Triple eight five eight nine eighty eight forty. Well, we're human. We make mistakes. But we were in Gideon's story, and God raised up Gideon to fight the Midianites, and not with an army of twenty thousand, not with an army of ten thousand, but with an army of three hundred men against tens of thousands of Midianites. Now, Jeff. You know, it's it's not hard to uh, come alongside somebody who you know is going to be victorious. But yesterday, Bert and I talked about the fact that, um, and this is in Judges um, chapter 8, I believe, where they went to a place called uh, Succoth, uh, like verse 5, and Gideon basically said to the men of Succoth, um, we need bread. My men are hungry. Please feed us. And the princes of, of Sukkoth or Sukkoth said, uh, no, uh, Zeba and Zalmunna, you know, if, if we know you're going to defeat them, we would feed you, but we don't know that. If you win, come back. And Gideon therefore said, and this is in verse 7, therefore, when the Lord has delivered Zeba and Zalmunna into mine hand, I will come back and I will tear your flesh with the thorns of the wilderness and with briars. And in other words, uh, Gideon says, look, I know we're going to prevail. And it was a similar thing with Penuel, that um, the people of Penuel, uh, you know, they weren't going to stand with Gideon and the men either. Verse 11 of chapter 8, Gideon went up by the way of them that dwelt in the tents on the east of Nobah and Jogbihah and smote the host, for the host was secure. And when Ziba and Zalmunna fled, he pursued after them and took the two kings of Midian, Zeba and Zalmanna, and discomfited. I've got the old King James. I love how it says. In other words, everybody was afraid because these kings have been apprehended, and Gideon uh, is is prevailing. Uh, Jeff, you know, American Family Studios should make a movie of the Book of Judges. <laughs> if wouldn't it be great to do in the New Testament the Book of Acts and in the Old Testament the Book of Judges? It would be pretty exciting, wouldn't it? Oh, it would be incredible. You know, I, my my translation says he routed the whole army. And the thing that that stands out to me, Alex, about this is at this time. Gideon and his army, they are exhausted. I mean, they're wanting bread, they're wanting provisions. They have 300 men. He's going against 15,000 at this point. Yes. Yeah. And so Gideon is still way outnumbered, but it's a lot different now than it was earlier in Gideon's encounter with these Midianites. He's a lot yeah. more confident, and, and now he is he's being led by the Lord and carrying out the judgments of God. 
Well, in 13 and through 16, um, Gideon comes up at sunrise, and he gets back, and they see somebody from, uh, in verse 14, a young man of the men of Sukkoth, and inquired of him. And Gideon tells him how the princes of Sukkoth and the elders thereof, uh, threescore and seventeen men, so seventy-seven people, had refused to help and feed the army that was going to defeat the Midianites. And he goes back up there and he says, um, you know, why did you upbraid me, saying, are the hands of Zeba and Zalmunna now in your hand, that we should give bread unto the men that are weary? In other words, if, yeah. if you guys have already fought the battle and won the battle, and you're tired and hungry, then we would feed you, but they wouldn't. Mm-hmm. But true to his, I, I would say true to his word, I yeah. could say true to his threat, Gideon took the elders of the city and the thorns and the wilderness and the briars, and with them he taught the men of Sukkoth. Uh, that's kind <laughs> of uh, makes me smile. Yeah, he taught them a lesson, he taught them didn't a lesson. he? Yeah. Yeah. And then in Penuel, he beat down the tower of Penuel and slew the men of the city. It was interesting. You know, in the ancient world, cities or like almost tribal villages, there were different things that would constitute a a city and how they would protect themselves. They might build a wall. They might have a big city gate and people would guard the gate, but also a tower. What for? Like for a lookout mm-hmm. tower to see when danger's on the horizon. But they pull that down. And that really shows dominance and really subjugating a village that it, they're not friendly to them. And um, then he said unto Zeba and Zalmunna, What manner of men were they whom you slew at Tabor? And they answered, As you are, so were they. Each one resembled the children of a king. And he said, there were, they were my brethren, even the sons of my mother. As the Lord lives, if you had saved them alive, I would not slay you. Wow. Verse 19 of chapter 8. Um, you killed our friends, family, colleagues. Um, we're going to respond in like manner. Um, this is a, a struggle and a fight that's very serious, isn't it, Jeff? It is. And, and some people may listen to this. And they think, isn't that a little bit extreme for Gideon to do this to these people? I mean, the, the, the men of Sukkoth and, and Penuel uh, didn't give provisions to Gideon as they were coming through. And what that, that speaks to me and says that we have a responsibility for those who are doing the Lord's work, those who are being used by God, we have a responsibility to come alongside them. And for these people not to provide Gideon with what he needed when they were defending these cities was really an insult. And Yeah. Uh, Go ahead. Go, go ahead. Yeah, it, it was an insult. And so we have a responsibility. You know, I think about where we are today. Certainly, we're not under that kind of a judgment. But when we do have missionaries and, and, and men and women of God who are doing the work of God, uh, and we are able to help them, then we should do that to advance the kingdom. Well, and, you know, l- let me just say this. We're in a political season right now in mm-hmm. an election year. And I, I was teaching a class uh, this morning, and people were asking about you know, how um, clear and decisive should Christians be about issues and even candidates. And I think we have to be very bold, because there are convictions, uh, the nature of the family, morality, marriage, gender, certainly life, uh, our nation's relationship with with Israel and things like that. And folks, let me say this um, to... um, 
really give critique over Sukkoth and Penuel here. Mm-hmm. You don't take a stand for what's right only if you feel like it's popular. You don't take a stand for what's right only if victory is a guarantee. Mm-hmm. You, you take a stand for what's true and right because it's true and right. And I, I guess, Jeff, I think part of the application of this, and we've got some exciting verses after verse 20 here. Hang with me, folks. But we need people of not only conviction, but courage. Conviction yeah. is, I know what God says. I know what's moral and biblical. And then courage says that I'm going to stand for it. And if you'll uh, humor me, folks, here, here's an illustration I've shared many, many years ago. Plato, the Greek philosopher Plato, was t- trying to teach his pupils you know, what, what's, what is courage. And they were saying, well, you know, bravery, and I, I, I won't belabor the, the story, but Plato, brilliant Greek philosopher, but he said courage is not only knowing the right thing to do, but being willing to do it. Yeah. Now, I think there are millions of Christians, they know the right thing to do, but we need to take it a step further and having the willingness to do it, to speak up, to take a stand, um, not whether we think it's going to improve our social batting average, but no, we take a stand for truth, and we speak truth because it's the right thing to do. But um, Gideon says in 19 and 20, look, um, my family members got killed, and he says unto Jether, his firstborn, up and slay them. But the youth drew not his sword, for he feared, because he was yet a youth. Then Zeba and Zalmunna said, Rise and fall upon us, for as the man is, so is his strength. And Gideon arose and slew Zeba and Zalmunna and took away the ornaments that were on their camels' necks. Okay, these are spoils of war. Um, the, these Midianites are going to, uh, they, they do get executed, and Gideon gets their I don't know if it was gold or what it was, but they were things, saddle and maybe tack, mm-hmm. a bridle that were, was around the camel's necks. And verse 22, the men of Israel said unto Gideon, rule thou over us, you and your son, and your son's son also, for you have delivered us from the hand of Midian. Well, all of this victory, because the Lord was so strongly present in the life of Gideon, uh, Gideon's found himself uh, uh, the the popular candidate for leadership here, isn't he? He is. He has the opportunity really to seize the power, the control that most men would love to have, and these people are willing to give that to him. He's a rule over us, both you and your son and your grandson also, for you have delivered us. But Gideon said in verse 23, Amen. I will not rule over you, nor shall my son rule over you. The Lord shall rule over you. Why? Because it's the Lord who won the battle, and Gideon knows that. Well, this is exactly the kind of uh, leader that you want. Exactly. Because he says, you know, no, it's not me. It reminds me of like when Daniel was in front of Nebuchadnezzar, and Nebuchadnezzar says, Mm -hmm. okay, I need my dream interpreted, and you're a wise man. Daniel says, look, I can't do it, but there is a God in heaven Jeff, don't you believe great leadership always points people to, to the Lord? Because we, we don't have any strength of our own, really. We don't have any wisdom or insight of our own, really. But anything that we can do, positive, anything that we can do to help others, 
anything beneficial. It's only through the power of Christ. And so verse 23 tells me Gideon is actually great leadership timber, isn't he? He is. He's like King David. I mean, yeah. if David looks to the Lord as his provider. You know, some trust in chariots, some trust in horses, but we will trust in the name of the Lord our God, David wrote. And so Gideon, like David, who is to come much, much later, uh, looks to the Lord as the one who really is responsible for this victory. And God uses a man of faith. He uses a, a man who is uh, knows that he is not in full control of everything. He's fearful in the very beginning, but God uses him and this remnant of faithful men to do his will. So uh, we're going to see something here uh, that the children of Ishmael are interacting and working together here with the children of Isaac, ultimately. <laughs> I mean, because um, it, it says, Gideon said unto them, I would desire a request of you. Give me every man the earrings of his prey. Again, there was spoil and, you know, gold, golden earrings. So that, And this was a sign of loyalty and solidarity. Okay, uh, I'm in. You, you want to show that I'm going to be loyal? And it says um, that... You know, they had golden earrings because they were Ishmaelites. Mm-hmm. Now, these Midianites and these, there was Ishmael and there's Edom and all of these really Gentile nations that had been fighting, um, they had taken spoil for them, from them, I should say. And they answered, we will willingly give them, and they spread a garment and cast therein every man the earrings of his prey. So they've put a big blanket on the ground mm-hmm. and, and the gold, yeah, I know, I know this sounds harsh, but golden earrings that had been taken off of uh, dead Midianites, prey, P-R-E-Y, the spoils of war. And, and the weight of the golden earrings that he requested was 1,700 shekels of gold because uh, uh, besides ornaments, collars, purple raiment that was of the kings of Midian, and beside the chains that were about the camel's necks, remember, uh, that was from verse 21. And Gideon made an ephah thereof and put it in his city, even in Ophrah. And all Israel went there, a whoring after it, which the thing became a snare unto Gideon and to his house. Now, Jeff, knowing the heart of Gideon, right? Uh, I don't think Gideon's intent was to build an idol here, was it? Although that's what the people really uh, construed it to be. Well, Orphra was the city of Gideon, and that's the place where God uh, encountered Gideon to begin with. So it seems as if Gideon is really wanting to come back to where it all began uh, in recognition that God had granted not only all of this plunder, but this great victory over Midian. Yeah. yeah. And, and you know, let, let me just say this, and I, I don't mean to spiritualize too much here, but, and if you'll forgive a, a cliche, um, I, but I think it's true. Look, we we very often love the blessings, but we should love the blesser, you know? Um, and I'm just going to say in churches, like Jeff, I've preached in a lot of churches, and it's it's a sad thing that if, let's say somebody leaves the church a great sum of money, well, that could be a wonderful thing used for the gospel. And yet, churches can get divided over, well, I've got this agenda. Right. I want to do it this way. And the blessings should not become a wedge between God and the people of God. Let me give you another example. In uh, Hosea, I think it's Hosea 8, 
God said, Ephraim has built altars, but those altars will be to him as sin. Mm. Now you think, well, wait a minute, an altar is a good thing, right? Well, if you're trusting in the religion and the formality rather than your relationship to God, you know, um, it's not the altar that you worship, but it's the God before whom you make a sacrifice and obedience. So Gideon makes this thing in Orpha, you're right, hometown, but the people, instead of praising God, wow, this represents the victory God gave, it says they, they, they went a-whoring after it. Now, it could have been idolatry, could have been covetousness over this gold, but their heart wasn't to God, but um, the seed of backsliddenness is going to be there. But verse 28, Midian was subdued before the children of Israel so that they lifted up their heads no more, and the country was in quietness 40 years in the days of Gideon. So there's peace, there's the blessing of a battle won, but sadly, it won't last. (laughs) All right, stay tuned, folks. Jeff Shambly, Alex McFarland here. This is Exploring the Word. When we come back, your calls and questions, 888-589-8840. Stay tuned to Exploring the Word is back after this. We'd like to thank our sponsors, including Preborn. Preborn has rescued over 200,000 babies from abortion, and every day their network clinics rescue 200 babies. Will you join Preborn in loving and supporting young moms in crisis? Save a life today. Go to preborn.com. Back to the Bible study with Alex and Bert. You're listening to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. Amen. It is the gospel that makes a way. This is Exploring the Word on the American Family Radio Network. Alex McFarland along with Jeff Shambly, longtime friend and colleague. And Jeff, I just want to say thank you for um, sitting in with us uh, when Bert is traveling or myself. And you tell people about what you lead with the ministry. Well, the Stand Radio is the program that I produce uh, on the weekends, and we talk about... Matter of fact, Alex, you've been on our program before talking Mm -hmm. about Christian nationalism. So we talk about faith, culture, and family. And uh, we also... Uh, have a lot of the content that you'll read in our monthly stand magazine. We will put that into an audio format. And so our podcast or the radio program, in a sense, is an audio version of the stand magazine. And while we're on that, Alex, I'll just mention that you can get a free six-month subscription to the stand magazine uh, when you go to uh, afa.net slash the stand. And so we encourage people to do that. I got an email from the editorial department yesterday that I, I've got okay. an article in the April issue coming up, you know, uh, not too far down the road, and they sent it to me for final approval. So it really is a great magazine, and the Stand Radio is great, and uh, we appreciate all that you do and making time for exploring the Word as well. Um, and we have got a lot of questions. By the way, folks, uh, you can email us, word at afr.net, W-O-R-D, word at afr.net. I've got 20 questions here that have come in online. And um, by the way, Brent Austin, our producer, oversees our Facebook page as mm-hmm. well. And 
Bert and I appreciate all of you. In recent months, those Facebook numbers have just gone up, up, up. We give God the praise for that. And sometimes people, they message us with questions on Facebook, and we've got some content we're going to post there. But before we go to the phones, can I uh, do an online question, Uh, Jeff? Are you okay with that? Yeah, let's take it. So somebody emails in and says, does the Bible address gambling, and do you think it's a sin to play the lottery? Well, I've definitely got a lot of thoughts on this, but uh, Jeff, do you want to go first? And, and thank you for this, because this is practical Christianity, and I'm, I, let me just say this, and Jeff, I'll throw to you, and I'm, I'm only speaking for myself here, and it, I don't want to speak out of school, but I, I'm only speaking as Alex McFarland. I, my wife and I, we really take seriously that finances are God's. Uh, God entrusts us with the money to pay the bills. God gives us a job. Bert and I definitely believe that if you're a born-again Christian, you should tithe, and, and as God leads, even more than tithe. I, my skin crawls when mm-hmm. I see gambling and lottery. For one thing, I, I just I can't believe that's an appropriate use of God's money. And even if we give 10% to the church, that doesn't necessarily mean the remaining 90% is mine to do with whatever I want to do. And and I really think statistics have shown, and I, I did a show on this several years ago, but um, gambling increases poverty. Um, the people that um, are, are very prone to buy those lotto tickets are the people least in a position to afford it. Yeah, it yeah. takes food out of the mouths of children. Um, I could go on and on. Jeff, I'm just going to get on my soapbox, and I say, I, I don't think a Christian should play the lottery. Well, Alex, you, you mentioned you mentioned the thing that was really first and foremost on my mind. That's the issue of stewardship. You know, there is a time yeah. when we will stand before the Lord and give account for everything, every talent that he's given to us whether it's time or money, whatever resource we have, we're going to give an answer for how we've used it because it belongs to him. And so I think, first off, that, that's at the top of the list. The second one is that it oppresses the poor. And yeah. it actually preys on the desires of people who, um, who, are, who are craving and, and actually needing more money. You know, Mississippi years ago uh, had, the, had the decision to either allow legalized gambling or not. And the state chose hmm. to allow that. And the promise at the oh, time, dude. Alex, yeah. was that if we do this, the revenue that's raised will help alleviate the, the financial issues in, in schools. It'll help fund our education system. Y- yeah. Uh, well, it didn't. And uh, it, it, the schools, you, you ask the number of parents, how many of them still have to buy supplies for their child when they go to school in Mississippi? Because the, the resources aren't there for paper and crayons and markers and so forth. And my response is, where's all the money that was supposed to come from gambling? So it, it never keeps its promises. Uh, and then, you know, I've got a, I've got a family member that uh, destroyed his family over gambling. So mm. I've got lots of reasons to, to be against it. Um, but again, it's something yeah. we have to go to God's word. Wow. You want to go? Uh, great. Yeah, let's, let's go to the calls. By the way, folks, that number is uh, 888 Five eight nine eighty eight forty. But uh, Jeff, where shall we go now? Let's go to Arkansas. Al is with us. Welcome to Exploring the Word, Al. Good to have you with us. Hey, good to be here. Thank you for taking my call. Um, I've always wondered in, uh, uh, about the 
stories of Jesus and the, the demonic, uh, the demonic people, and three of the books speak only of the one man, and then the other one he speaks of two, and, the, and God, uh, Christ, throwing the, the sending them the demonic uh, angels into the swine. But the question that I get from other people and myself is, are these two different stories? And if they're the same story, why does it not uh, mention the other? demonic guy in the gospel? Good question, Al. Thanks for calling in. Alex? Yeah, um, as I look up Mark 5 and Luke 8 uh, to talk about these, let me say this. Um, I I love to recommend really good books, and two books that I want to recommend. One is a book called Encyclopedia of Bible Difficulties by Gleason Archer. Mm -hmm. Jeff, did you ever hear that book? Uh, Yes, I have. It's a really good book. And then another one that's a similar book, and and both of these are so good. One is called When Critics Ask by Norm Geisler, G-E-I-S-L-E-R. Now, sometimes very same identical book is published under the title uh, The Big Book of Bible Difficulties. But what a lot of the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they are biographies of Jesus. And like one might say, an angel, but it doesn't say only one angel. And another gospel, like in the resurrection accounts, will say two angels. Well, in the case of the healings, um, you know, I I believe that it was the same story, but one gospel um, talks about, and and this is in Matthew eight, Mark five, and Luke eight, uh, the, the miracle of the the demoniac of Gadarene, one just mentions one demoniac, and another one uh, mentions a couple. I really think it's it's the same story, but just told from two different perspectives. Um, but that that's just one of those examples where, because the four different Gospels, they're all given the same picture of Jesus, but just um, one writer mentions a, a detail that another writer just doesn't mention. Good answer, and I think the important thing of four Gospels is we have four perspectives, and so uh, some some writers mention things or record things slightly different than others, but it doesn't really get at the heart of the truth of the Word. It simply uh, illustrates its the, the priorities of certain writers. So, And, and let me throw in one last detail. We're going to go to the next call, but um, two of my friends in apologetics, and they are close friends. One is Lee Strobel, and one is Jim Wallace. Okay, Lee Strobel has a law degree from Yale. Uh, J. Warner Wallace is a pretty famous uh, former homicide detective, and he's on Dateline and a lot of shows. Both men became Christians as adults after years of atheism. Uh, Lee Strobel, with his legal background, Jim Wallace, with his police background, both have said that the, the various details in the Gospels uh, actually affirm the authenticity of the account. One writer mentions several details. Another writer mentions complementary but mm-hmm. slightly different details. Jim Wallace says the fact that they're all giving multiple details, it shows credi- credibility, that it, it wasn't just one singular made-up narrative, but you've got eyewitness accounts, and when you have eyewitnesses, you'll have complementary mm-hmm. but sometimes different details, and believe it or not, this adds to the credibility of the trustworthiness yeah. of the Gospels. That's good. 
Well, let's go to Oklahoma and welcome George to the program. Hi, George. Welcome. What's your question today? Uh, thank you all for taking my call. You've been talking uh, in Kings about the uh, as Israel fell, the various countries came in to take over. Did they take over all of Israel? Because it only says in a lot of cases only a few tribes helped to fight to defeat them. What's your take on that, please? Okay, George, thanks for calling. Uh, that's a great question. I don't think they took over all of Israel. And here's another interesting thing. Even Israel didn't take over all of Israel. You know, God had told Abraham, walk the fertile crescent everywhere your foot treads, I'm going to give you. And really, even though Israel, you know, rose up and there was, you know, great King David and there was Solomon and they built the temple, the fact is that the uh, Abrahamic covenant has never yet completely been fulfilled. Now, God did make Israel a great nation, and God did raise them up, and they were in their land, but all of the land of Israel to be occupied by all of the Jewish people in a state of belief, Jeff, I really don't think it's going to completely happen until Christ returns. I think you're exactly right, and and uh, George, thanks for the question. I want to go back to Psalm 83 because I think this ties into our passage today. You know, the issue Amen. is that that God had made a covenant with Abraham and his descendants that was an everlasting covenant, and part of that not only was was the the blessing to the nations, but it was also the land that Abraham was going to be in. In Psalm 83, uh, Asaph speaking of the enemies of God, he says in verse four. They have said, come, let us cut them off from being a nation that the name of Israel may be remembered no more. And then down in verse 11, he references Zeba and Zalmunna, who we were talking about today, and he credits them with saying in verse 12, let us take for ourselves the pastures of God for a possession. So one of the things that we look for is, is, is the big theme in the scripture here. And I think what was going on with the enemies of God, they were trying to divide the land. And, and that was yeah. a covenant that God had made, and Gideon was defending that. And so I think, I think there's also application today when we look at people and nations who are complicit in trying to divide the land that God had given to Israel. I think we need to be very careful. Oh, exactly, exactly. I've often said this in our own uh, modern era, the greatest favor any American president could do the American people is to be a, a good friend of the nation of Israel. Yeah. Yeah. Um, exploring the word, folks. Great questions. Triple eight five eight nine eighty eight forty. Got time for one and maybe two more questions. Yeah. Uh, Jeff, where shall we go next? Let's go to Kansas and welcome Jamie to the program. Hi, Jamie. Welcome. What's your question? Uh, yes, yeah, sir. Uh, thank you all for having me. I sure did enjoy your program. You may have answered this question earlier as I just got off work and was able to get on the radio, but. And the recent Super Bowl ad with He Gets This, I've, I've been hearing a lot of back and forth in regards to the message that it was being uh, or trying to go ahead and present to the people. And and I understand, you know, the Super Bowl being what it is, it reaches out to so many uh, different people. But while I was watching that ad, I felt convicted by the Holy Spirit. Like, I'm not sure if this is exactly the way uh, Jesus wanted to be represented. And and I don't want to be one of those Christians that's like, well, any, you know, representation of Jesus out in the masses is bad. I, I want to be, I want to have good discernment. But I was wondering, what's y'all's intake on, or, or how you guys go ahead and uh, 
try and represent is was that a good message or did they miss the mark like some of the apologetic arguments i've been reading uh have said uh, l- let me chime in here and thank you for this really good question and let me say and i i'm only speaking for myself and jeff uh you feel free to agree or disagree i was very disappointed in that ad I did not think that was um, a good use of that opportunity. And my goodness, the hands down, the biggest media moment of the year, and no doubt many, many, many millions of dollars were spent. And and here's the thing, it didn't tell the gospel. Um, now, are we to love our neighbor? Sure. Are we to give a cup of cold water in Christ's name? And yes, foot washing. But let me just say I, that that was a non-message. Uh, I I don't think that message told me much of anything. And one other thing that I really did have a problem with, um, in one of the final images, there was an image of a priest washing the the feet of it was either gay or transgender man, very limp-wristed. The you know there's the cla- it it was. Frankly, I felt like it was kind of a over-the-top attempt to represent an LGBTQ or gay person. And here's the thing. It said, Jesus gets us, okay? And that's true. And then it said, all of us. And Jeff, here's right. the thing. that That's a tacit endorsement that LGBTQ is an ethnicity. Now, does Jesus love every human? Of course. And every human can be saved if they repent and turn to Jesus. Yes. But, Jeff, I didn't really like that ad. Well, you know, the thing that Jesus came to do was to give us life, to give us eternal life. Washing feet is an example of how we love, but unless Jesus is our Savior, as Frank Turk has said, he can't be our example. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks, folks. Hey, uh, more Exploring the Word tomorrow afternoon. I want to thank Jeff Shambly for being with us, Brent Austin, and all the team for helping produce the show. And I want to thank you for listening and calling in. Um, We're blessed to have this platform and to be able to do this, aren't we, Jeff? Amen. Enjoyed it, Alex. Yes. Well, folks, uh, do me a favor. Tell somebody about the American Family Radio Network. Tell somebody about Exploring the Word. But most of all, tell everybody about Jesus. May God bless you. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio. I want to thank our sponsors, Preborn and Christian Healthcare Ministries. Preborn Network Clinics have rescued over 200,000 babies from abortion, and every day they save 200 babies' lives. But they can't do it without our help. Will you head over to preborn.com slash AFR and sponsor an ultrasound? Christian Healthcare Ministries is the longest-serving healthcare cost-sharing ministry helping Christians pay for and pray for one another's medical bills. Make the switch today and start saving. Visit chministries.org slash AFR. That's chministries.org slash AFR.